Hello, and welcome to Weekly MTG, the only magic news show from inside the building. Uh, we have a great show today, as always. Today, we are talking esports, both looking back at uh, 2019, which was a big transition year for yeah. us. <laughs> we did some things. <laughs> uh, and uh, looking forward to what's coming up in 2020. So with us, we have uh, Ben Drago, who is uh, in charge of our tabletop side. And then standing in for Bear, who is at Mythic Championship 7 happening this weekend, he's there right now, uh, is Elaine Chase. Hi, everybody. I was just saying, I should have gotten a bear hoodie or something. So yeah, you really bear, should have. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that was a miss. Lane has done no miss. prep for this show whatsoever. Oh, man. Next time. Next time. <laughs> that means you can get her. Yeah. <laughs> she's, not, she's not ready. Send us your questions yeah. in chat. Yeah. Get her. Get them. Uh, we are going to ask, uh, ask them questions from you, the audience. I have a bunch of questions, too, that we're going to go through. But if you have questions for Ben or Elaine, uh, put them in chat, and we'll see if we can get to them. Uh, in the meantime, Steve's got some news. There is some news. Uh, this week, on Monday, in fact, we did our regular Pioneer BNR. So we're going to throw up a graphic right now so you can check out exactly what got banned and or restricted, in this case, just banned. Once upon a time... Now banned in Pioneer. Field of the Dead, also now banned in Pioneer. Smuggler's Copter, banned in Standard in its time, now banned in Pioneer. Three extremely powerful cards that enabled some extremely powerful strategies. Now that they're gone, we'll see how the meta shakes out and see if anything else gets on tap for next week. As you know, banned and restricted for Pioneer happens every Monday, sometime in the afternoon, usually. Uh, that is not the only thing that's going on this week. We also have Secret Layer the new sub-brand of Magic. Currently on sale right now is Restless in Peace. You get Bloodgast, Golgari Thug, and Life from the Loam in a wonderful art treatment by Dan Mumford. Uh, that is on sale right now at secretlayer.wizards.com for the price of $29.99 plus taxes and shipping and fees. That is not the only secret layer that's on sale this week. It's a whole week. Uh, tomorrow, you're going to see the next drop, which is Seeing Visions, four different interpretations of Serum Visions, a modern mainstay. After that, we're going to see... <laughs> Although you plebs might... Uh, oh, there's some good explosions. Yeah, yeah some of you, uh, the, the plebs out there might actually call it explosion sounds with brackets, which is the, of course... Not great way to say it, but you got to do the whole explosion sound. Uh, five different goblin cards. You can see them on the screen there. And, of course, we still have more. There's still more. The next one is Kaleidoscope Killers. Three five-color commanders, Reaper King, Sliver Overlord, and the Ur-Dragon. All in foil in that special art treatment. And finally, to wrap up the Secret Layer drop series, we're looking at OMG Kitties. OMG! OMG Kitties. Five Commander ready kitty cards and two incredible cat tokens. Uh, the cards are all in foil. Uh, all the cards, I believe, are in foil. I don't believe that the tokens are. Elaine, how many of these are you ordering? Um, all of them? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're all only allowed ten, but uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you do love Secret Layer and you're interested in picking those up, please look uh, through the week. They are all time boxed to demand, meaning that if you place your order within the 24 hour period, that all of them are available, you will receive your order, yeah. uh, which is really cool. It's a new thing that we're doing. Again, that web address is secretlayer.wizards.com. However, maybe you, you like the art on the cards, you're not really that interested in ordering the cards. Our friends at Ultra Pro have a special product just for you, which we have here on the table. In these eight playmat tubes are, unsurprisingly, eight playmats that you can get at, uh, I believe it's shop.ultrapro.com. Sounds right. Shop.ultrapro.com as part of a special holiday bundle only on sale this week for $199.99 plus shipping, tax, uh, shipping think, taxes. I think Elaine wanted to open up. Uh, it's this that one, one that she wants that to open one. up. Uh, so this, here Elaine, I'll, I'll, there you go. This, <laughs> this is beautiful. This is the playmat for Bitter Blossom Dreams. And we'll have Elaine Chase showcase this. Look at this. We'll so open up all of these for you. Yeah, so that's the panorama art of the Bitter Blossom and the tokens that go with it. I've got to get the right angle. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, this, I've got a huge version of this up in my office, and it's, it's spectacular. So <laughs> it's lovely. We also have uh, the drop that was on sale yesterday, Eldraine Wonderland, which was snow-covered lands in the plain of Eldraine. Let's see uh, all five of them right here. Oh, this really one's lovely. from the. This one's from the today. One that's on the sale today. Yeah, restless in peace. Yeah. Restless in peace. And there's a second restless in peace. If you, if you're a fan of the blood gas art, but you really prefer the life from the loam art, well, we have you covered with that as well. 
Once again, these playmats are only available as a bundle on uh, shop.ultrapro.com. So take a look over there uh, for those wonderful, wonderful playmat oh, bundles. We might as well open up mat. all of these. We Why might not? as well, right? Why not? Same Wait, can vision? I do kitties? Where's kitties? Uh, kitties is the last one on there. Oh. So. Is this? Yeah, you got the yep. kitties. All right, I'll trade. Oh, this is yeah. the, this is <laughs> the <laughs> serum <laughs> vision. Seeing visions. <laughs> One of the seeing vision serum visions. Yeah, this is the. We also have a, a uh, weird jellyfish thing going on. Oh, there's a cat on this one. Wait, what? Yeah, there there's is. a cat on that one. Oh my god, I never even noticed that. that. It's a yeah, earring. That's amazing. Yeah. That is I what's cool about these things. Now, now Elaine, yeah, it's got the art wow. really blown up. And then here's the uh, here are the five goblins from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then here, here's the kitties. Look how cute. Look how cute. Extremely <laughs> cute. Arabo, Ar I believe is the name of that, uh, that kitty. And Ooh. that is the Ur-Dragon Ur from Kaleidoscope Killers, yeah. which will be on sale uh, soon. So again, these are all available from our friends at Ultra Pro. If you go to shop.ultrapro.com, $199.99 plus taxes, shipping, yep. applicable fees, and you get every single one of these, and they all come in a uh, in one of these lovely clear plastic uh, playmat protectors. Yeah. So you'll get you'll get eight good for protection or for giving to your child. Exactly. To, like, whack things harmlessly. Exactly. Or mm -hmm. uh, you know, great for gifts if you're if you're interested in only one. They of yeah. course playmats make great gifts for any magic fan. But uh, yeah, you've got the playmats on you sale know what you now. Could do. What could you do? You could take the playmats you're using right now. Mm. Buy the bundle, upgrade your own playmats, and then put the other and, and, and then give the other ones away. Playmats in the tube <laughs> and gift those. <laughs> Just saying, that's a thing that you could do. <laughs> Elaine really wants the bitter blossom one. You should know that Elaine really wants the bitter blossom one. So I don't even see it on the table anymore. Right it's just, now. I it, there's, it's so much. Gone. there's so much. There's so much. I actually actually don't see it on the table. Uh, it's, it's, it's very it's under one. there. It's under it's there. Hidden uh, it. I might have hidden it. <laughs> uh, as we said, shop.ultrapro.com uh, for the playmat bundle only available. I believe until the end of the week, uh, there's a timer sure. counting down on the product page. Okay. And then you've also got Secret Layer on sale up through next Monday. Yes. I mean, Monday the 9th. 9th. Yeah. I'm good at dates. I'm good at dates. <laughs> I mean, the I thing I love about Secret Layer is that um, out of all of these, like, you might not like all of them, but there's like one or two for almost everybody that they're like, oh my God, that's not. Like, I really love Bitter Blossom and Kitties. Like, those are, that's totally my jam. Uh, but there's other people like they're, they're loving the the five color legends yeah, and yeah. you know there's just it's there's something for everybody. It's yeah. cool and it's a cool thing that we're doing this week. And again, 24 hours after that period is over, you can't order them anymore. They're gone. So if you're interested in Secret Layer, encourage you to check out secretlayer.wizards.com for more information and a little bit of a look at what else is coming. Yeah. Uh, speaking of what's coming. Oh yeah. Good transition. Thanks. Though. Thanks. Good transition. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Man, I need a mug. I know. No, I get lost. No. Only Steve and I yeah, pretend these How many times do you have to be on the show to get a mug? Uh, it took us about 50, 50 shows. 50 oh, man, I've only shows. done like two. Can I yeah. get a punch card? <laughs> we can do it. We should make punch cards. That's a good idea. When you get your 50th <laughs> punch, we'll make you a mug. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have you back at the end of every year yeah. to talk about esports. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, Eventually. More years. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> um, so we want to talk about, uh, this was, like I said, the biggest year for Magic Esports and pro play that we've ever had for a number of reasons. Fact check, you've actually been around for most of... For most, all, yeah, all of everybody's it. Been, yeah. Yeah. I played in the very first Pro Tour biggest, in 1996. What, what in, your, in your professional estimation, biggest year? It was the biggest year, okay. yeah. for sure. <laughs> Just wanted to get a fact check in there. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're going to look at... We're going to look back at this year. We're going to look forward to next year. Again, if you have questions, put them in chat. We'll try to get to them. Uh, but we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. So let's, let's, let's start with your highlights from 2019. It was a big year, not without, you know, there were lows, there were highs, but let's let's start on a positive note. What were your highlights? Ben, what were some of your highlights from this year? Uh, well, on a personal note, my biggest one is joining Wizards. Right? Yeah. Oh, right, you started this year. started in February. <laughs> yeah. So having done my full year, um, like I've, I've played Magic since the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I actually uh, celebrate, <laughs> celebrated my 20 year anniversary as a judge. Uh, last month, so happy happy uh, anniversary. Got certified yeah. at the GP in San Diego mm. twenty years ago. I worked that show. I score kept that show. Nice. I scorekeeper wow. for that show. And Scott Larrabee was there too, right? So like we've been, we've been doing this. You guys for have been time. around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we were, well, happy anniversary, Ben. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we were chatting how our kids are closer to our age 
when we were from that event than we are now. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, so. No, I'm super excited to be here. It's been an amazing year. The, the team is great. So, mm -hmm. um, definitely a, a big uh, highlight for me this year. Very cool. He even started in the middle of a snowstorm. Like his first day of work, like the office was closed. <laughs> so I had to call him up and be like, hey, I know you're starting today, but like maybe don't drive into the office. <laughs> Somebody who come from Texas and Southern California, I had no idea what to do. Like, <laughs> what is this? I've yeah, seen it's it on a bit of an TV. Adjustment. <laughs> but what do I do? And it's not even that yeah. bad here. So uh, for me, the mm. biggest highlight of the year had to have been um, the Invitational mm -hmm. in March. And that was the real kickoff of, you know, the, just the, the spectacle and the scope that we're trying to achieve with mm -hmm. MPG Arena and the eSports space. Um, and, you know, when that show finished and we had that eSports stadium hall filled at PAX East in Boston um, and Mangucci's up there and he's got the trophy up there, like, you know, that, that moment was, it just, it made everything real. Uh, and it really showed, you know, me kind of, you know, what we were working for and what we were trying to achieve and where we were trying to bring mm -hmm. professional magic play. Okay. Um, besides your personal starting, what, what else were highlights for you, Ben? Um, oh, not let me off easy. <laughs> um, I mean, this year, uh, you know, joined, like, watching kind of, uh, watching Arena develop uh, understanding how tabletop and arena interact, mm -hmm. like those are all like exciting moments. Um, and then you know, since you know, since then we've uh, announced the players tour, which is kind of this kind of for you know the first time since I started judging, like this uh, revisioning of what competitive um, play means on you know mm -hmm. for for tabletop magic. Um, and so doing all that work and then rolling out to the players and seeing kind of that excitement about you know, being invigorated to go and play Magic, which is, you know, one of the big reasons we're here uh, yeah. and what we do and what drives what we do every day. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more and dig into uh, the rise of Arena because this is the first year we've really had uh, pro-level digital play. Um, uh, Elaine, what has that meant to you? How is that adjustment? Uh, it, it's been a wild ride. <laughs> uh, so uh, to kind of give the context um, for those who, who might not uh, kind of have been along for, you know, along for the whole ride or, you know, kind of seen a little bit behind the curtain. Um, so MTG Arena went into open beta uh, last fall, right, mm -hmm. in September. Um, and our intent always had been to build this for a digital esports experience, right? Magic has had 25 plus years of competitive history, right? We really wanted to take that competitive legacy and bring <coughs> it forward into this new world of digital esports. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we built MTG Arena with that very much in mind. Um, but originally we were expecting to kind of not have everything ready and in place until like around now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but then we came into open beta uh, and the open beta was just so successful, right? It was uh, above and beyond what we expected. Um, uh, there was just huge amounts of momentum for it. People really wanted to you know, start digging in and playing right away. Um, and so uh, I, uh, I, I transitioned off of leading the, the Magic brand team into kickstarting the eSports initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was uh, in October last year, so yeah. a little over a year ago. Um, and the timeline was get from October to December 6th, which was the uh, the Video Game Awards yep. announcement, which we did, which was now like literally like a year ago, like right now. Um, and then, you know, work toward having that kick off at the Invitational in mm -hmm. March. Um, so it's been a crazy wild ride, um, especially since we've had to do a lot of work in building the structures as we as we go. Right mm -hmm. earlier in the year, you know, I put out a blog article to everybody that said, "Hey, look, you know, we're we're gonna be building this as we go throughout the year, and it's gonna take us some time." And yeah, it's gonna be frustrating, and it was super frustrating. It was just as frustrating for us inside the building as it was for the people outside mm -hmm. um, to not have all the answers at the beginning of the year, but we really needed to kind of take our time and build it as we went and, and learn a lot, and we did a lot, a lot of learning this year. Yeah. Um, and that, that really came into fruition when you see what the new plan is as we go into our partial season for next year and then into our first full season. Mm -hmm. So, um, Ben, what were some of the challenges that you faced in uh, navigating, uh, intertwining the, the digital space and the tabletop space? Because you're specifically in charge of the tabletop space, but that doesn't mean you don't interact, that you and Bear literally sit back to back and, and talk every day. So what were some of the challenges there? Um, one of the biggest challenges we face, and it's, it's ever present, right? Which is mm -hmm. like, there just aren't enough weekends during the year. Mm -hmm. um, so we are always trying to create like these schedules where 
Um, we want to follow new releases and make sure players are excited to play with, with new expansions while also making sure that there's you know, good timing for events and people have time to prepare. Uh, we get to see how like, metagames develop um, and things like that. So really finding that balance between um, the time, what each, you know, what arena needs, what tabletop needs. Uh, you know, we ran um, uh, 48 Magic Fest this year, mm -hmm. a lot of Grand Prix. So, you know, the fact like every weekend is full, uh, essentially, and um, finding that right balance where we try to do the right thing for everybody, mm -hmm. uh, try to make sure players have a great experience, which is, you know, one of the things that drives every decision we make is, you know, it's, it's tricky, you know, we always kind of look back and like, wish we had tweaked things a little bit different, but, um, you know, it is, it is something we always kind of work to continually improve, like what it feels like to be a player. And, you know, no matter if you're playing in your first player's tour or if, it, or if it's your you know, 50th or your 100th, mm -hmm. like, you know, you have that great balance and you're still in, uh, enjoying playing Magic. Mm -hmm. Now, since you brought it up, uh, what, what are some of the things that you wish you guys had done differently or wish had gone differently from the past year? And you can't say my I, I got employed at Wizards this year. <laughs> <laughs> can't um, say that. <laughs> I wish I, I, I wish we had tiebreakers out earlier. Like mm -hmm. that was that's been on our back burner to do list. Yep. Um, and kind of you know, uh, like everything else this year, it kind of everything kind of ended up hitting at the like okay, the last possible moment we could put this out there is here, yeah. right, and have that out. Um, so I do wish we had that in advance because it's always better for players to understand the rules that they're playing by, you know, mm -hmm. before before they get there. Um, so I, I wish I wish we had that earlier. Um, uh, honestly, though. Um, while there's things that we are changing, I'm glad that we tried a lot of stuff this year because if we didn't try this stuff, we wouldn't have learned. So, so I'm gonna actually gonna twist your question on its head a little bit and be like, well, what did we That's learn? And, and, and how? I'm doing it anyway. Classic doing it anyway. This is my show. I'm doing Classic it anyway. So, well, like here, here's a really good example of something that 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 we're doing differently mm -hmm. um, on purpose, which is um, a year ago we thought it was gonna be super important to figure out how do we combine digital and tabletop into one one competitive experience mm -hmm. that really connected both. And as the year went on, it became super apparent that the needs for invitations and for points and for you know all, all the different elements of it, you know, how do you string people from one event to the other, how mm -hmm. do you qualify for these events, that the needs between tabletop and digital were just so distinctly different from each other yeah. that by us trying to smash them together this year, it caused a lot of friction and a lot of conflict, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think you can see that in a lot of the conversation that's going on about like, well, what does this mean for people who are trying to get into rivals and into the MPL this year um, based on, you know, who got invited to which events and, you know, how, you know, how hard is it to get invited to an arena event versus how hard is it to get a tabletop event? Mm -hmm. Like, how do the points get put out? Um, and so one of the takeaways that we had was when we move forward into next year is that we really want to separate those two systems. And we want to let tabletop do what's right for tabletop mm -hmm. and let a MTG Arena do what's right for MTG Arena. Yep. Um, and then the places where those two things connect is with the MPL and with the rivals uh, and at the World Championships at the end of the season, right? Yep. That, that's where the connector points are. Um, but instead of trying to smoosh them all together, right? Really let each program do what it needs to do for the players yep. on that platform. Uh, and Ben, obviously you hit the ground running this year and, and had to do a lot of learning right out of the gate. Uh, is there anything you wish had gone differently or that you had done differently that knowing what you know now? Uh, well, I, I think we're all like, you know, we all remember back in the early summer where um, people were just like, they were anxious for news. Like they wanted yep. to know what was, what was happening. Um, and, you know, we were all working really hard to uh, figure out like what tabletop, uh, competitive play is, what MTG Arena competitive play is. Um, and, you know, when we finally came out with the announcement, uh, I, you know, reception I th think was great. Like we, we had a very comprehensive plan. People understood why we were making the decisions we were making. Um, but like kind of that time when we, we weren't talking about it, um, like I understand why people, you know, were uh, feeling the way they did. Mm -hmm. um, and like we've, we've already tried to address that. Like we're sitting here today talking about things we're working on uh, so that even though decisions might not be final, like they understand like what's going on. Like, right. and you know, make it very clear that we're listening to players and their concerns. Um, you know, the monthly esports updates that Bear and I do, again, those are the same. Like we're, we're putting out things that are in discussion, putting in things that aren't final. We're using that as opportunity to kind of explain why we made these decisions. Um, so that like, you know, there isn't this kind of time where people are uncertain or 
people don't understand why we made decisions. So like mm -hmm. just being more transparent, being more connected to our community. Um, we listen a lot. Like, I mean, that is, you know, something that's very true. Uh, people underestimate how much yes. it is. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, the thing, that I, the thing that I'm very fond yeah. of saying is just because we don't respond to you doesn't mean that we don't hear you. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> super true. Yeah. It's super true. So, and especially when it's like constructive feedback, like coming from people who are telling us things that because they love the game, yeah. because they want to participate, uh, those messages are super loud. We definitely pay attention to now, it. Now, here's the tricky part, though, is that those times when people don't agree on what the best path forward is, mm -hmm. right? So he, a, a, a really surprising experience for me is as we went through this, um, you know, we'd bring in the MPL players, you know, we'd have, you know, big meetings and things like that. And almost every single question when it got to like decision points, I would be like, okay, okay, group of people. Um, there's clearly these two conflicting options that we could go with, right? Like it's option A, option B. How many of you prefer option A? How many prefer option B? And it'd just be split like half and half right down the middle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's really compelling arguments on both sides, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that was that was a really interesting learning throughout all of this too, is that um, I, I don't know that there are right answers in building this program, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's understanding what we're trying to achieve, which ultimately is more ways for more players to compete, right? In meaningful yep. in meaningful ways, whatever that means for them. Like that's really what we're trying to achieve. Um, but at every one of those points, like there's, you know, you go you go left or right, um, and you're 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 going to take care of some people better on one side and leave some people out on the other side, yep. right? No matter no matter what you do. Um, and so trying to kind of thread that needle and understand where the trade offs are and make the choices that are best for the most people most of the time. That's really kind of how, how, how we navigate through. Um, I want to <coughs> linger on that um, uh, the stated goal of more ways to play for more players um, in, in significant events. Because, like you said, that's a driving uh, factor in a lot of the decisions you make. As a communications guy, I don't know that we've made that clear. Um, but can you talk about, uh, do you have an example, either, either of you, of when you had two options in front of you, and that was the driving one that made you choose yeah, one or the other. Yeah, honestly, I think it was the whole evolution of how the Players Tour turned into a regionalized system, right? Um, ben and I had lots of conversations about, you know, how can we scale mm -hmm. with how big Magic has gotten today, which is bigger than it's ever been before, um, and how can we plan for Magic's future, right? We didn't want to set up a system that worked just for today, but then, you know, two years from now, the, the whole thing's just not going to work anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the old system just couldn't accommodate more opportunities for people to qualify and play, right? It mm -hmm. just couldn't. Um, and you start looking at the invite list that the, that the PTs would have, um, and so many of them were, were eaten up by, you know, people who are being carried over from either the pro club or from prior, you know, uh, finishes, right, and having that moved over, and then, well, what's left for, you know, GP qualifiers, what's left for store level qualifiers, what's left for the people who live in smaller markets, right, like all those pieces, um, and when you add up the numbers, they just, they just don't work anymore, right? Um, so I think for us, one of those big breakthroughs was, well, the only way we're going to be able to provide more magic for people is if we actually regionalize the system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and we're already so the benefits that we're already seeing right now is that because we've opened up the number of uh, opportunities to qualify, um, we've been able to expand like where qualifiers happen. Um, there's more of them all around the world. We've been able to integrate tournament series like the SCG Open mm -hmm. uh, into the qualifying system, which you know, uh, huge, you know, huge number of um, this this huge structure with tons of events and dedicated fans. Uh, it makes us really happy that that's kind of part now of of the players tour. And, well, and you've not only integrated them, but it's given rise to at, at least one new one that I can think of, but maybe a couple you would know better than I would. In Latam, right? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Latam uh, Magic series. Um, you know, in the first qualifying round, they've had uh, almost like three thousand players participate in it. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's um, fantastic! Wow, yeah, yeah. Louis's been doing a really great job with that series. Yeah, so so definitely already seeing benefits from this opportunity that are created by uh, scaling up, um, creating more opportunities to play. And which, we're looking forward to, to extending those out to more organizers, right? Like you know, that's it's out there as a as a tool for people to build, um, so they can have. Uh, more regionally appropriate series, things that make sense within their regions. So we're very much looking forward to seeing that expand out throughout the world with a lot more different series. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the formation of the, the Magic Pro League. Because this was the, the first year 
Um, first of all, how do you think it went, Elaine? Uh, <laughs> um, I think, resoundingly, overall, mm -hmm. it went really well. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say it was perfect. Yep. And that's not to say it wasn't without hiccups. But you know, when we're when I'm looking back over the course of the year and I'm looking at this this inaugural crew of of just top level players. Um, and the, the growth that they've seen as both individual players and as a cohort has been really phenomenal to see, mm -hmm. right? Um, we started off the beginning of the year um, with a, you know, hey, our goal here is to create a group of professional players who together can prove kind of their their value in an esports ecosystem to mm -hmm. open up more opportunities for them to to play more to get more sponsorships all of that to increase their ability to to you know to, to market themselves and you know and, and make themselves valuable um, provide a group of players that is an aspiration for other players to get mm -hmm. to um, provide really top tier deck tech as things evolve as the metagame evolves over the year um, we started the year with hardly any of these folks streaming and now we're hitting the end of the year and there's some folks who i think might be streamers for a very long time <laughs> doing very successful mm -hmm. work whether or not they're in the mpl next year right finding whole new a whole new avenue and communities and uh, that they can go out and, and play and express themselves um, and we're hitting this end of the year and you know we're having these conversations that are real sports conversations like i can't remember another season that magic has ended where right now today people are like oh my gosh let's take a look who's on the bubble like you know it, you know if it falls this way these people are in if it falls that way then these people are in and these people have to have a really good you know event to be able to to make it right and looking at people's stats and, and where they are mm -hmm. um and uh and ultimately it highlighted uh, a lot more of these people as individuals than we've ever been able to cover under the old system. The mm -hmm. old system, we talked about you when you won. Yep. And that's it. And then when you didn't win, we just didn't put your feature matches up and we didn't talk about you anymore. Um, but now we've got this group that we followed all year through their ups and their downs, uh, through their personal lives. Like we got mango cuisine out of this year. <laughs> like, like, can you imagine? We didn't have that last That's year. Like it wasn't a <laughs> How thing. How did we ever do with so, that? Yeah. Right? So I mean, if I were going to say what's the highlight of the year, <coughs> mango cuisine. Mango cuisine. And <laughs> engraving will be Yeah. Uh, ben, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, for me, like it was, I was on the outside when mm -hmm. the NPL was announced, um, and remember being very excited. Uh, uh, also, a little scared. So I was, I was working for a competitor uh, for Magic <laughs> at the time, um, and seeing just kind of like the scale uh, that uh, Wizards, like you know, they, they didn't do it. We didn't do it small. Like the NPL, like they made a statement. Um, you know, they supported it in a way that's. Uh, you know, no other tabletop uh, eSport has done. And uh, that was really exciting. And mm -hmm. so, um, like, as a fan of Magic, seeing it from the outside uh, and seeing the excitement and, you know, people really looking at Magic in a different way. Like, it, you know, I don't know if it's evolution or leveled up, but, like, that was that feeling um, from that announcement. And, like, you know, from that moment and then following it from, you know, both the outside, like the competitive part, but just the inside, so, you know, like, you know, we've learned so much about how the, you know, how our fans and our players interact with MPL and the race, you know, for the end of the year. Um, all of those moments have been great. I'm really excited about what happens next. Okay. Um, I do want to move into 2020, talking about the future, but we have- Heard of it. It's, it's yeah. coming. <laughs> Heard of it. Uh, we there there's one topic that kind of bridges that gap we've, we've announced it it started there's a lot of excitement uh, but a lot of the premier play stuff is happening in 2020 and that's the advent of pioneer so ben what is uh what has that been like for you uh such an amazing surprise like when we were talking about uh <laughs> should, we, should we call it surprise in here <laughs> yeah. thanks steve steve um, steve now i remember too, what everyone. i'm talking about guys you don't know what it's like to sit by him that's all i have to say <laughs> You just, get this yeah. once a week, like we get it every day. Just wrecked by bad <laughs> They should be like, so lucky. Close already. your door away. <laughs> <laughs> Noise canceling headphones. Yeah. <laughs> highly recommended. Um, you know, it was like we were uh, designing the schedule for next year, and we wanted to make sure that we gave Pioneer time to kind of grow and for people to, to play it, to get excited by it. Um, turns out <laughs> uh, we could have done uh, that everything so much faster because uh, people were immediately excited by it. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's a great format. Like it's, you know, it's been awesome to watch uh, kind of as players experiment on Magic Online. Um, 
with the decks and as it evolves almost every week, especially of um, like you know when we uh, update the ban restricted list for mm -hmm. for Pioneer. So I think that you know next year, um, yeah, we'll be supporting. Uh, standard Pioneer and Modern uh, on tabletop events, and think that's going to be a really healthy and a really exciting kind of, uh, year for competitive players across all for three formats. Okay. Elaine, you've been around for a couple other times. We've added formats. Oh yeah. Formats. What, what was, how did this compare? This one, um, I have to say, this was the the most well received uh, format switch over that I think we've done. Like I, you know, I, I was here, you know, when when we switched over from extended to modern in the first mm -hmm. place. Um, and uh, it's, it's change is always hard, right? It's always scary, um, and you don't know what's going to be there. You don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and especially since modern had been coming off such a super high, you know, with you know modern horizons and you know all, all the mm -hmm. different modern support that had happened, um, coming in and saying, okay, no, you know, we're, we're gonna we're gonna introduce a new format and kind of that in between spot. Um, but I think the community was just really ready for it. Like they're ready for the new challenge. They're mm -hmm. ready for kind of that new scope of you know how do I go in and, 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 and bust this open and, and figure out you know how this whole thing works. Um, and then also recognizing that we were able this time around to continue the support for modern while we added this one. And I think that was a really, really big change. Like mm -hmm. last time when we did the extended to modern switchover, it was really a switchover, right? Yeah. It was like we're done with extended. Like this isn't working anymore. We're, we're throwing it away. We're going to give you this new thing. Um, and I think this time, the fact that we're adding, uh, and I think that we, we've learned that we can add more, and the community can certainly support adding more. Mm -hmm. um, you just look at you know how, how big the commander community has gotten, right? And it doesn't mean that standard has gone away, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that modern has gone away. It just means that there's also a big, big commander community, and lots of people who play commander. Um, and so being able to add instead of replace, I think that made a, a huge difference. Okay. Uh, something I want to touch on for 2020 now, uh, we're going to get to it later, but let's touch on it now because it's a lot of what Chad is talking about. Um, so I want to talk about, uh, first of all, uh, the difference between the MPL and the MPL Weekly show. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, talk a little bit about yeah. the difference. So, um, so one of the things we are excited about with the formation of the MPL is that we could take these players and kind of pit them against each other and you know in, in weekly play and have a weekly evolving metagame that happened right mm -hmm. and kind of show that excitement of super high level play right like the, the highest highest level of play on a weekly basis as a metagame evolves um, and uh, uh, we're still in love with the idea and we still want to do it um, but we definitely learned a lot this year um, just in terms of where we are in terms of limitations of both the, the program itself and our ability to do um, live gameplay like we hear loud and clear that the thing that's going to unlock this for us is live gameplay. And the thing that's going to unlock live gameplay for us is being able to have spectator mode so that we can actually broadcast the matches right um, as they're going and not have to rely on individual players' streams. Um, but uh, there's a lot going on in MTG Arena. There's still a lot of work that they're doing to help deliver all the features that we want across the board. Mm -hmm. um, and so until we can kind of get those tools for us to be able to make the show the way we want it to be, we're just going to put that weekly MPL play on hiatus for a little bit um, mm -hmm. and kind of give us a chance to develop a little bit more of the tools in the back end that we need to make the show that we want. Um, that said, I would still expect to see the MPL players playing an awful lot in between the championships events, right? Um, you've seen them you know, playing in things like Twitch Rivals and you know all, all mm -hmm. those other you know really awesome partner events that that external folks are sponsoring. Um, I saw some questions pop up in, in social media on like, hey, well, if you're not doing a weekly show, like, could somebody else do a weekly show? And the answer mm -hmm. is, well, absolutely. <laughs> that, I mean, it'd be great, you know. Um, so uh, you'll see them do a lot. Um, the other big piece of feedback we had um, from the MPL players themselves is that um, they had a lot of competition this year, <laughs> and they just kind of went, you know, from from prep to event to prep to event to prep to event, just const on this constant grind. Mm -hmm. um, and we want to make sure that our, our pro players have the ability to bring their best game to the table all the time. Um, and we think we just kind of needed to take a, a little bit of a, a breather to kind of reset um, kind of what that cadence of competition is for folks. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, okay, so let's go back to the, the broader question after I skipped ahead a little bit. Uh, talk about what 2020 is going to be like uh, for players, fans, competitors uh, compared to 2019. It's going to be stable. That's my <laughs> word. Sta stable. It's going to be stable. Um, we have the program. It's, it's in place. We have the program. We have the events. They're scheduled. We have dates. We have, right, like we have 
budget that we have, you know, the whole the whole thing. It's stable. Yeah. Um, and uh, what I'm really looking forward to is seeing how this program works and how players respond to it, knowing what the full scope of the program is, right? Like we really ask players to kind of go out on a limb and, and show a, a really, really large amount of faith in us last year um, as we were going forward. Um, but this year we've got the program um, and people can commit and get into it and figure out what's the right way for them to engage, right? And for every, everybody that's gonna be different. Um, but that's, for me, that's, that's really what I'm looking for this year, stability. Okay, Ben? Uh, I'm really excited for the player store uh, to bring back these regional stories again. Like players, you know, not only do we have more people able to qualify, uh, but because they're, most of them will play in the player store uh, in the Americas, in Europe, in Asia Pacific, like those kind of rivalries, that kind of hometown heroes, uh, seeing people for the first time and, you know, who, who might uh, like have a breakout year that we wouldn't have known about before. Um, like those are like that's one of these like additional benefits from 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 scaling and getting bigger. You create more opportunities for new stars, mm -hmm. um, and you know that uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but like I think it's going to see you know new faces this year that might become mainstays uh, uh, on the players tour and maybe in rivals and MPL in the future mm -hmm. um, coming out when because of these new opportunities we created. Mm -hmm. Okay. Since you brought up rivals, how excited are you guys for rivals? I'm so excited for rivals. I know that's, that's so cool. That is the softballest of yeah. softballs. I'm so excited I, for I rivals. You, I mean, rivals. I mean, it was a thing that we've had in our head for this whole past year, right? Yeah. Like we know that there needs to be a developmental layer, right? Like we need that layer um, that gives people kind of a steady cadence of, of invites, right? That that lets them know that they're gonna be able to play over a longer period of time um, without having to qualify from event to event. Um, and uh, the, the thing I really like about it is that um, the more you play in high level competition, the better you get. Right, that's just true. Uh, and so giving kind of that next tier of player the opportunity to have a stable suite of events that they're playing in all year um, and really work toward becoming the best player they can be, right, and, and then being able to, to reach up into the MPL eventually, you know, as the goal. Um, I, I find that really exciting. Yeah. Ben? Uh, I, th I think Elaine covered most of it. Like, and it is, it is going back to the theme of stability, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we want both our players and our fans to feel like, uh, they know what the rewards they're going to earn if, by their commitment, their skill, um, the time they put into it, uh, and like you know, rivals is one of those important, important constructs that helps helps build stability, helps build confidence, mm -hmm. um, and gives people you know uh, another thing to shoot for, like as they get better and better. Um, you know, it's it's a uh, it is just it's not just about adding a layer, but just but creating a, an additional opportunity um, for even more players to kind of show up and prove how good they are. Okay. Um, we're getting a couple questions um, on specific things asking how can you improve, but let's let's ask the general question first. Uh, what in 2020 are you guys <coughs> looking to improve or continue figuring out or, or work on specifically? Uh, so one of the things, um, and this veering a little bit off from competitive play, uh, but at uh, we've been testing uh, commander fo focus experiences. Mm -hmm. So uh, the command zone at Magic Fests, um, we we did uh, standalone commander fests in Seattle and Chicago. I went uh, to Seattle. I did the command fest in Las Vegas. They were all really yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah, and there's one more coming up in uh, <coughs> Washington D.C. Yep. Uh, next week. Um, huge positive response uh, to those experiences, um, and so. Thinking about how we incorporate them, whether it's rolling, you know, expanding this, uh, how they show up at Magic Fests, um, should Command Fest continue to be like, like the standalone experience? Uh, but you know, again, it's it's acknowledging the fact that just like there are <coughs> modern players or pioneer players, you know, people who love booster draft, uh, there are you know people who love to play Commander and like giving them that opportunity to play Magic the way they love how, uh, to play Magic is incredibly important. Um, and there are these great opportunities where we kind of tie it into these experiences like Magic Fest that we've already, um, you know, we've been doing this for, you know, de literally decades. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of adding and evolving uh, that experience. Um, uh, you know, that's adding, you know, like, I never, want to, I never want to kind of like rest on our laurels. Like, yeah. I think it's kind of great to always experiment 
uh, and try new things. And I think this has been one of the, the really successful experiments uh, from this year. Um, for me, I'm looking forward to trying to kind of um, flesh out and evolve uh, kind of the, the, the qualifying series and events, both for tabletop and for MTG Arena, right? Um, taking that that concept of the this, the series that we have, like having that we have Star City Games um, in the Latin Am series and expanding that out to other places and in, in, in other other regions and other ways to play. Um, and then also figuring out on the MTG Arena side, like how do we track monthly points? Like how can we you know, get people to uh, be able to demonstrate success over time that can mm -hmm. lead into something bigger? Um, and those are things you know, that are gonna take some iteration, right, and, and some work. Um, but uh, that they're two very key components to the long-term vision of, of both halves of the program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. Um, one specific thing that we know we're changing because we announced it yesterday, uh, Ben, is the removal of GP buys. You wanna talk a little bit more about that? Uh, sure. Um, so Grand Prix buys, um, we've we've been look. Well, my team uh, has been looking at it for years. Um, you know, and uh, so when I started back in February, it's actually was one of the first topics we discussed. And don't come into the office today. <laughs> also, <laughs> also, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and like you know, GP buys uh, started during the Pro Tour. Um, they were created when there was just a fraction of the number of people playing Magic at this level uh, mm -hmm. than there is today. Um, and it definitely created some challenges for us. Like, uh, because so many players had buys, like Grand Prix were literally like two or three hours longer than they would need to be if there were no buys. Because mm -hmm. you just have to run extra rounds uh, in order to get to a top eight. Um, I remember Grand Prix Vegas. I, I used to do coverage. And I remember the first Grand Prix Vegas they literally, we were sitting there typing from what happened in the finals, and they were literally kicking us out of the venue because the venue was closing. Yeah, yeah it, they, 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 they run long. They can go long. They, they, can, go long. they can go long, and these make them longer. Um, they create a bunch of complexities uh, in like just tournament operations uh, that, you know, making sure like, making sure that you have fair pairings, making sure like the, the Swiss, like the, the way like Swiss pairings actually works, like, can break down if there's too many people with buys. Um, and then it really limited us from kind of looking at the way we structured large tournaments like Grand Prix and looking at different ways. Mm -hmm. um, you know, can you run them with uh, flights? Can you run, you know, multiple day ones? Like those kind of things. Uh, having buys there kind of restricts like what those kind of opportunities to experiment are. Um, and, you know, and from talking to uh, a bunch of players about it, like they felt like, Buys, like, buys only needed to exist if everybody had access to them, um, or if no, you know. But if no one did, then you you still have a very fair, very um, competitive event. So um, we think those things, plus the fact that we're looking at um, using, you know, the not looking at uh, with a fractional invite system, kind of offering players who just consistently do well. Uh, the ability to uh, qualify for the players tour like that in some ways fills in that gap of like of just recognizing consistency mm -hmm. um, and between those two things we're you know, we're, we're gonna try um, I think this is one of those things like like you know I, I talked about ex experimentation earlier um, <clears throat> we we believe that this is the right decision you know we're not being kind of frivolous about it but um, you know we will look at like how tournaments run does it still, you know, do we still feel players who are uh, great at magic still doing well? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, make sure that it meets our goals. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we're feeling pretty confident this is the right decision. Uh, and we'll, you know, use it this year and evaluate. Yeah. I mm -hmm. think this is a really good example of um, what I was saying earlier about how, you know, you hit these decision points and there's clear pros and cons on both sides, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's, there were real clear pros for having Grand Prix buys. That's why we did them, right? And that's why they were so successful. Um, but there are clear cons to them also, right? There's clear pros to not having them, but there's also ne right, negatives in there. Um, mm -hmm. So we hit those decision points where we need to figure, all right, well, what is, what is the best experience that allows 
the most players to play the most, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's where we went, right? We went with the decision that said, yeah, the people who are used to getting these buys or think that, you know, having the ability to kind of skip those first rounds against, you know, people who might have less tuned decks or whatever, um, you know, gives them a, a better competitive advantage. Um, instead, opening it up so that we can accommodate more people at these events, right, and not have them be, you know, take a billion hours and try to experiment with different formats and mm -hmm. make it, you know, a little bit more of a play fair playing field for everyone. Um, and and that, that's why we ended up on the decision that we did. Okay. Um, also getting a lot of chatter about, uh, in, in a, there's a, a, a lot of variations of different questions about local game stores mm -hmm. and uh, integrating that into play. So uh, talk a little bit about your guys' philosophy on uh, these tournaments at local game stores maybe anything you're working on, that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I, I think one of the really big things um, to keep in mind as we talk about the local game store uh, is the evolution of that WPN program mm -hmm. that's happened this year and kind of where is that going and where is that taking things um, with the evolution of the, the premium stores. Um, our local game stores are the foundation of the bulk of the magic community, period, yeah. right? Um, and I know a lot of people have been, you know, kind of a little bit worried of, you know, is Wizards turning its back on the local game stores? And the answer to that is an absolute no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, the local game stores are the foundation of what we do. Um, but uh, the way that local game stores have been operating has drastically changed over the last couple years compared mm -hmm. to where they were 20 years ago. Um, and, and and we're not in a scenario where it's like, oh, to keep afloat, the local game stores need to have a grand pre-buy. Um, instead, we're going back to a world where we're able to give local game stores WPN qualifiers and things like that, right? Um, they're building robust communities around formats like Commander. We're giving them more opportunities to play with things like adding, you know, Pioneer into their mix and have things go that way. Um, and ultimately, what we're trying to do is trying to make what is the best store community environment and how, how can we make that work the best mm -hmm. um, and uh, the answer to that is not oh there has to be a grand pre-buy to make that work right there there that 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 element isn't isn't part of it mm -hmm. um, yeah Ben what are what are some of the challenges in incorporating local game stores into this mm -hmm. system it's yeah, I anytime you scale up um, you're just going to have those challenges of um, whether it's you know education or training, um, you know, making sure that stores and their staff that are running these events know what's expected, uh, know how to run them. Um, you know, we we made so many changes this year, like like just like just the terminology, like making sure people understand, like you know, what these different flavors of qualifiers are and how they operate. Um, some of that will just take time, and so it is just kind of making sure that you know, our partners as stores, uh, tournament staff, uh, and our players like, understand what we're trying to do, and we just kind of continue to be kind of clear and consistent about um, how the, you know, what the player's experience should be, because that's really kind of what drives, you know, drives these structures, drives you know, who we partner with, mm -hmm. um, is that making sure that you know, no matter where you play, you have a great time, you're, you're playing in a fair tournament, uh, and you have the oppor same opportunity to succeed uh, anywhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take a step back to GP buys because there's a <laughs> little discussion going on in chat right now. Um, uh, can you explain why buys make Grand Prix events go longer? Uh, so it's when you, you're essentially adding, uh, the way Swiss pairings work, um, you know, the, the super short version is uh, each round you're pairing players with the same record. Uh, together. So at the beginning of the tournament, every, everyone's zero and zero. Uh, and then, you know, after the first round, half the players have a win, half the players have a loss. Um, and kind of each round, you kind of, uh, it looks exactly like a triangle. So, mm -hmm. like, you know, after two rounds, 25% of the people are undefeated. After three rounds, 12% of uh, the players are undefeated. With buys, what it does is it changes, you know, after three rounds, you don't have 12% of the people are undefeated. You've you add in all the people who got three buys, and now like twenty percent of the tournament uh, you is actually go up <laughs> in right. the number yeah. of undefeated so, rather than down. Right. So to take that number, that players, and how they've already kind of been um, uh, layered out, uh, and get to a top eight in a fair way, where like your your record matters, and you're not get, getting cut out by tiebreakers, which is something we always try to avoid. Um, you just have to play more rounds because mm -hmm. you've inserted people uh, with so you know with three wins at a point where in the natural uh, 
progress of a Swiss tournament, you wouldn't have that many people um, at that record. Okay. Um, so so it's, it, it adds rounds. To the it, it adds rounds. rounds. Yeah. Uh, if your goal is to make sure you have a top eight cut, which feels fair, mm -hmm. you're adding more rounds. Yeah. Um, and by fair, I mean like not just being determined by time. Well, because hypothetically, you could end the tournament after ten rounds. You just have, have eleven to, people. You have like a bunch of people who got cut yeah. off by tiebreakers yes. at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. Okay, I think that uh, covers most of the questions we had from chat. Most of the questions that we wanted to talk about. Um, let's leave it with uh, your let's let's go sappy here. <laughs> your wish for twenty twenty. Uh, Magic Esports. <laughs> uh, I guess my wish, it really goes back to, um, I, I, I do really want to provide the most play opportunities for the most people that makes them the most happy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to be really clear, like I can't make all the people happy all the time, right? Yeah. Like it's just, it, that's just not possible, right? Yep. Different people have different goals, people have different priorities. I play Drifter right. every weekend. Yeah, no, it's, that, that's not fun for the other Why people, Blake. Whatever you're playing but against I, Blake, main deck notion thief. But I do me. really want people, um, kind of as they look back, uh, kind of at this time next year, right? Mm -hmm. I, I would love for the competitive play community to take a look back at next year, at this time next year, um, and think to themselves, wow, I played more magic that was more meaningful to me than I ever have before, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I, I know that people have to kind of live through it to get there, uh, and we're going to keep iterating if that's not true by this time next year. There you go. Ben? Uh, I think I talked about this last time I was here, but um, kind of the vision that's driving uh, my team is that um, we want players, we want competitive players to be able to play in an event that's relevant to them every week. Like that's kind of our long-term goal. Mm -hmm. Like there is just so much magic that, you know, every Saturday you have somewhere, you have something to go play that excites you, that you feel, um, you know, is a challenge. Uh, and so by creating more opportunities to play, that's what we, that's, that's why we're doing it, because we think people love this game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it's been proven uh, uh, pretty clearly over the years. Um, and, you know, part of that love is being able to like, you know, people who thrive on competition, you need the chance to play. Um, so just creating more and more opportunities all over the world uh, until we get to that point where people like, you know, no matter where you are, you can like, pick up your deck uh, and, you know, go play in something that excites you um, mm -hmm. every week. Makes sense. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you, Elaine, for tuning in. Thank you all for tuning in. <laughs> uh, we are going to leave you with a little something uh, for... I, I can see you. <laughs> right here. <laughs> it's broadcast to the world. We're <laughs> Everybody can we're see you. That back. Uh, this weekend, don't forget, Mythic Championship 7 is happening. This is the capstone event of the year. And, there and is a lot. So much on the line. So much. And to your point, this is probably one of the more exciting moments yeah. for esports this year. There's so much on the line this oh weekend. My God. It's incredible. MPL rivals, it's incredible. seven spots at the World Championship, not to mention just, you know, the actual prizes oh, and everything. And for the this format group. looks so good. It does. Yeah, it no. looks so good. The deck lists are out. The Meta, deck lists Meta are game out. Breakdown. Is, yeah. oh. You can go to uh, magic.gg for all of those. Yeah. They're also yeah. linked from the front you of know, the funny MPG. a while ago we're looking at the end of the year and just how the tournaments got sequenced and mm -hmm. we're like oh you know, we're gonna hit the end of the year and we've got these these three mcs in a row yeah like how are we gonna make them feel different there That's you go um so anyway we're gonna leave you with something for <laughs> mc7 make sure you tune in it's right here on twitch.tv slash magic starting tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, which if you're watching from another time zone is approximately six hours earlier than whatever time it is right now. Uh, so yeah, do the math, whatever time it is now, minus six hours, tune in at that time tomorrow, twitch.tv slash magic for Mythic Championship 7. And we will see you next week.